Lord, help us this morning as we look into your word. Help us to understand it and help us to gain great sustenance by it that we might live in the power of the Spirit through the nourishment of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So we come to the final words of of Jesus on the cross, and I've labored to show you that everything that Jesus said when he was nailed to that cross was of deep meaning. Uh, Christ spoke with intent when he spoke from the cross. Uh, Despite the torture and the despicable state of his body, he remained sound in mind. He wasn't like we are so often when we're suffering, we're babbling, when we're in pain, we're saying things we don't mean. Perhaps we don't even remember some of the things uh, we said when we're suffering. That's not the case with Jesus. When Jesus was on that cross suffering for us, every word that he spoke had deep, deep meaning. He spoke with intent. He prayed on the cross. He made promises on the cross. He gave instructions on the cross. He shared deep, great doctrinal truth while He was on the cross. But the final words of Jesus on the cross are recorded by Luke here in this verse. Luke 23, 46. And it says this, And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. Now I want to share with you three truths this morning that we see in the last words of Jesus on the cross. And the first thing I want you to see here in these words is this. Christ proclaimed victory. Christ proclaimed victory. He was making a proclamation in hell of victory. Actually, the Scripture teaches, most of the religious leaders now, if you would have asked them what happened to Jesus when He died, they would have said, well, He went to hell. They didn't believe that He was a man of God at all. Uh, The Pharisees said that He got His power from Satan. Some of the religious leaders said that He was demon-possessed. Uh, Their mind may have went to Deuteronomy 21 where it says, Cursed is every man who is hung upon a tree. They may have looked at the cross and said, See there, we have a verse to point you to. There's no doubt in our mind this man died and went to hell. This man was not a man of God at all. This man was a tool of Satan. But Jesus made it perfectly clear when he died that he was on his way to heaven. He said, Into thy hands. I commend my spirit. Now there are some myths about what happened when Jesus died. Some actually teach that when Jesus died, He went to hell to suffer our sins, for our sins. You see that most uh, commonly among what's known as word faith teachers. They teach that Jesus went to hell, and when He was in hell, He was tormented by the demons, and that's how we were saved. Well, that's a ridiculous statement. It's not held up in Scripture at all. Christ endured hell on the cross. After he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The next thing he said was, it is finished. It was over. There was no going to hell and suffering for the sins of the world. There are some difficult verses in the Bible that have caused people to come up with this false teaching. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 18-20 through 20 says this, For Christ also, having suffered once for our sins, the just for the unjust, that He might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit, by which also He went and preached unto the spirits in prison. Now, this verse clearly says that when He died, He went and preached to some spirits in prison. So a couple of questions here. Number one, who were the spirits in prison? Those spirits, if you'll go on and read in 1 Peter there, you'll see were demons. 
They were demons who were involved in the sin during Noah's day. The Bible clearly teaches that some demons are in hell right now. Jude verse 6 is a perfect illustration of that. Some of the demons are afraid that they're going to go to hell early. Remember whenever Jesus was confronted by some demons and they said, Hey, have you come to cast us out before our time? So there are demons right now who are in hell. So who were the spirits that Jesus preached to after He died? They were demons who were in hell at that present time. And the second question would be, well, what did Jesus preach? Well, He didn't preach the gospel. What He did was He proclaimed His victory. Think about it. These were demons who were in a war against God Almighty. Their only hope was that Satan would win the war. Their only hope was that one day they would get the news that Satan had in fact defeated God Himself and that Satan would come and He would release them from all of their torment. But after Jesus died, He goes down to hell to give them an update because they're not on earth. They have no idea what's happening. And so when he goes down there into hell, what does he do? He tells them, you lost. You lost. When they see the victorious Christ, they know in their mind, they they know without a shadow of a doubt that there is no help for them whatsoever. Jesus says to them, it's over. I've won. The sins of the world are paid for. And I'm on my way to heaven. So after his death, Jesus proclaimed his victory to demons who were already in hell. But there was also obviously a proclamation in heaven. Jesus went to heaven the day He died. He told the thief on the cross He would meet Him there that day. If Jesus says He's going to meet you somewhere at a specific time, you can bet your bottom dollar that He's going to meet you there at the time that He promised. Amen? Jesus does not go back on His Word. And He said to that thief, Today, you will be with Me In paradise. Amen? Listen, I think about Jesus going home. I think about Him going back to the Father, back to the the heavens. And I tell you, it's amazing because, you know, the older you get, the more you want to go home. Amen? And I don't necessarily mean to heaven. I just mean the house, right? Can't be gone for too long. Man, I'm telling you, i got to have my bed, don't you? i got to have my chair, don't you? And I think about Christ being gone for 33 years from heaven. And here He comes back and He goes back to heaven. And I can almost hear Him shouting, I'm home! I'm home! And it's good to be home! And there's no doubt that He was welcomed by the Father. You know, there's a deep love between the Father and the Son. The Bible says the Father loves the Son and has placed everything in His hands. The Bible says, for the Father loves the Son and shows Him everything that He does. Christ is the beloved Son, the one whom is well-pleasing to the Father. And here we have the Son returning to the Father. And there you can picture the Son returning to the Father, returning wounded, or returning abandoned, killed by the enemy, but yet He's returning. There's no doubt a joyful welcoming by the Father when Christ comes back from completing all the work of our salvation. And no doubt He was celebrated by the angelic host that was there. You know, I'm sure Christ made an entrance when He went back to heaven. Far greater than what we see in the Scripture that we call Palm Sunday. When I think about Christ returning to heaven after His death, I think about Psalm 24, verses 7-10 through that says this, Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lift up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? 
Lift up your heads, O ye gates, even lift them up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. I think that we see a beautiful picture there of Christ returning back to heaven. And we have these words, lift up your heads, O ye gates, and the gates swing open. And there Christ comes back to the presence of the Father, comes back to that angelic host. And it was probably a welcoming like you and I will only see whenever Christ returns and we're called up to meet Him in the clouds. I'll tell you what, if angels do sing, they sing that day. If angels do dance, they dance that day. If angels do shout, they shouted that day. There was a proclamation in hell that, you know what, it's finished. Christ has defeated the enemy. There was, a, there was a proclamation in heaven. He's back. He's back. The Son of Righteousness has returned. But there's also a proclamation on earth. The resurrection of Christ, we celebrated last week. The resurrection of Christ was the proclamation on earth. But the devils in hell and the angels in heaven knew it before we did. They knew that He had defeated death, hell, and the grave. You know, thank God Jesus came to earth to show everyone that He indeed was in the Father's hands. Thank God for the resurrection of Christ. Christ went to heaven after He died and the resurrection of Christ proves that. Without a shadow of a doubt. And because He went to heaven, folks, listen to me, we can too. We can too. Into thy hands, that little statement, means Christ is proclaiming victory as He dies. The second thing I want you to see here is, is Christ is resting eternally. Christ is resting eternally. Now Jesus was tired. He had been about the Father's business. The first recorded words of Jesus on the earth are these words. How is it that you sought me? Know you not that I must be about the Father's business? And my dear friends, He had been about the Father's business for 33 years. He said in John chapter 4, verse 34, that the Father's business was His meat. That was His sustenance. That's how He lived. That's how He got His satisfaction, doing the will of the Father. Jesus was tired. And Jesus wasn't like you and I. Jesus had not taken any shortcuts at all. You think about Jesus. He planned this out for Himself, y'all. Oh, whenever the plan of salvation was made, the architect of it was the one who paid for our salvation. Christ Himself makes all the plans. And He was born into a poor family by His own design. He was born in a barn by His design. His family could not even afford the regular offering that you would give at the temple by design. They couldn't even afford a lamb, which was customary when a baby boy was born. Jesus could have made life easier for Himself because He's the great architect of our salvation. He could have been born into a rich family. He could have dealt differently with His enemies. He could have just taken His enemies out instead of His family having to go into Egypt and hide for a few years. He could have just completely taken his enemies out and said, I'll just get rid of y'all and I'll make it smooth sailing for me. He could have created food when he was hungry. He could have created water when he was thirsty. He could have created a canopy of clouds when he was hot. He could have created money when he was broke. 
He could have created shelter when He was homeless. But folks, Jesus took no shortcuts. None at all. And He, by the time you see this statement made into thy hands, I commend my spirit, by the time you see this, He is both spiritually and physically exhausted. By the way, it's amazing He didn't die from exhaustion. What He had been through physically at the hands of men, spiritually bearing the wrath of God for our sins, it's amazing that He didn't just die of exhaustion. And so it's a wonderful thing finally to see this great Savior who has worked so hard for 33 years for our salvation to finally be able to say, into your hands I commend my spirit. You see, Jesus entered into heavenly rest. Now it's no coincidence that this is the seventh saying. The number seven in Scripture represents rest. On the seventh day, God rested. And after the seventh saying, Jesus enters into His rest. We might even call this last saying the Sabbath saying of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of His work, all of His labor is done. And what Jesus is about to do is take a load off. He's about to sit down. You know, I don't know about you, but but that's one of my problems is sitting down. And as you get older, you'll realize that that it's a lot harder to get up once you sit down, isn't it? Yesterday we were doing work in the yards, and man, we were, golly, all day long working in the yards, just going from from early in the morning until until late yesterday afternoon, doing beds and everything. And man, I'll tell you, I had no idea how expensive dirt is. But I went to Home Depot and loaded up the truck with pot and soil and all types of stuff and built raised flower beds. And man, I'm working hard. And then I realized I don't have enough dirt left. Dirt. And I'm not going back because I didn't give Home Depot enough money, folks. It's a lot of money to buy dirt. I never in a million years thought we'd be buying dirt and water. But that's what we do now in America. We buy dirt and water. And so I've got, I've got a big hill in my house. I said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I got a wheelbarrow and a shovel. I got free dirt. So I said to finish filling up my bed, I started going down the hill and digging up dirt, putting in the wheelbarrow, digging up dirt, putting in the wheelbarrow. And I'd give me a load. Tell you what, that hill's about like that in my house. Or it feels like that anyway. And I'll go up there, man, and I'll dump that in. And I'll go back down and I'll dig another wheelbarrow full of dirt. And I'll tell you, the longer I did that, the cheaper the dirt got at Home Depot. <laughs> it was amazing. But you know what I didn't do? I didn't finish. I didn't finish. I just dropped the shovel and said, I'm done, Jennifer. And I went inside. And I sat down before I was finished. Because that's how we are as humans. The reality is there's a lot of times we just can't finish. We're too exhausted. We're too tired. There's no way that we can make it. But you know what the Bible says about Jesus? It says in Hebrews 10-12, But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, forever sat down on the right hand of God. Jesus didn't sit down until he was done, y'all. He didn't sit down until He was finished. He went through the whole situation, through all that it took for you and I to be saved, man. And then He finally sat down. He entered into His heavenly rest, folks. And and I'll tell you what, when Jesus sits down, when the next time He gets back up, folks are in a lot of trouble. He's seated right now. 
Now Jesus still has some work to do, but He won't get tired doing it. You see, Jesus will never sweat again. His muscles will never ache again. His hands will never produce blisters again. But He's still working. How do you know that, Pastor? Well, in John, in John chapter 14, He's working on a heavenly neighborhood. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will return and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. He's working on a heavenly neighborhood. And folks, He's not sweating. He's not sweating it at all. Another thing He's going to do is He's going to call up His people. 1 Thessalonians 4, 17. I look around and there's a lot of Baptists that aren't too easy to lift. Amen? But He's going to lift us all. He's going to lift us all and He's going to lift us immediately and He's not going to strain a bit when He lifts us all. The Bible says He's going to build a new heaven and He's going to build a new earth greater than anything that you and I have ever seen. And He's going to do all that stuff without sweating or straining at all. The only thing that calls Jesus to sweat, the only thing that calls Jesus to get tired, the only thing that calls Jesus to weep, the only thing that calls Jesus to expend energy was our salvation, church. That's the only thing. He didn't sweat when He said, let there be light, when He created the heavens and the earth. But for your salvation and my salvation, He sweat. But all that's complete. All that's done. And now He has entered into His heavenly rest. And we ought to thank God for that. Amen. We ought to thank God for that. Well, I'm, I'm so glad that I serve a God who isn't trying. Amen. Who isn't wondering if He's going to be able to get it done. And hoping that maybe He can make it through all this. Now the third point I may want to spend a little more time on here. We see from these words, into thy hands I commend my spirit, is this, is Christ died properly. He commends his spirit to the Father. Commend, that word is a King James word. If you don't have a King James, you might have a different word there. But it means to deposit. It means to set before. In Christ's death, I want to show you a few things here. Number one, Christ had clarity in His death. He died voluntarily. Now death is natural to us because we're sinners. The soul that sinneth, it shall surely die. But Christ never sinned. Because He never sinned, death was unnatural to Him. Therefore, He had to give His life. Therefore, He had to lay down His life. Christ had to give up the Spirit. He had to say, into your hands, I commend my spirit. Okay, right now I'm dying because death was unnatural for him. He had to die himself. He said, therefore does my father love me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. He said this, no man takes it from me. You couldn't have killed him. You couldn't have killed him. He said, no man takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. He said, I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it up again. This commandment have I received of my Father. Now you might say, well, Pastor, I've got the power to take my life if I want to. Okay, but do you have the power to take it up again? That's what Jesus says here. Jesus says, look, I am the author of life. I have the power to lay my life down. I have the power to take it up again. I mean, there's no greater clarity than that. 
Christ chooses to die for the sins of the world at a particular moment, but that moment is after everything is complete concerning our salvation. Now Christ understood what death was. That's why he's, you, said, you see here, um, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Death is separation of the spirit from the body. When does a person die? A person dies when their spirit leaves their body. That's when they die. At death, the spirit separates from the body, and that, in fact, is what causes the body to die. God breathes life into people. The life He breathes is His life-giving Spirit. And one of these days, God will take that Spirit from each and every one of us, unless we're, unless we're alive when Jesus comes. And the separation of the Spirit from the body, that's what death is. And so what Jesus does, He actually has the power. We don't have the power to do this. He has the power to release His Spirit from His body. And when He releases His Spirit from His body, He dies. Which brings us to another point that Jesus understands that, that, that the Spirit continues to live after the body dies. Jesus was separated from His body, but He wasn't dead. You see, Jesus' death gives us great clarity about death. There's truth here for us. First of all, we don't get to choose when we die. Nobody in this room, you're not going to choose when you die. You know what that means? That means you better be ready. Because you have no idea when it's going to happen. Number two, death is separation of the spirit from the body, but the spirit lives on. Death is separation of the spirit from the body, but the spirit lives on. There are people who think, you know what, if I could just get out of this old world, if I could just get out of all this suffering. Dear friend, when you leave this world, you go to another. It's not that easy. You don't just escape earth and everything's great, everything's wonderful. You are created for eternity. Whether you live with God or not, it doesn't matter. You're a human being created in the very image of the eternal God. And because you're created in the image of the eternal God, you will live forever. Somewhere. You will not cease to exist because you have been created in the very image of God and you have a spirit. Your spirit is going to live on forever and ever and ever. And you know what? You need to think about that while you've got a chance to. You need to think about that. Because the 70 or the 80 or the 90 or the 100 years that God gives you on this earth is nothing compared to eternity. Not only did Christ have clarity in His death, but He also had a craving in His death. Jesus longed to be with the Father. He didn't just want to be dead and out of His memory, misery, and if He had, we could not blame Him for that because He had certainly been in misery. What did He want to do? He wanted to be with the Father into your hands. Even though He had been judged by humanity, and even though the Father had poured out judgment upon Him, He still longed to be with the Father, and even more surprisingly, longed to be with those who had even killed Him. Now that's a deep love. That's a deep love. You know, the proper way to die is with a longing for the Father. You ought not just be tired of suffering. And I understand as we get older, life can be very difficult, life can be very hard. Sometimes it feels like life is nothing but a trial. 
Doctor appointment after doctor appointment, aches and pains, loneliness, so much can make a person want to leave this world. But I want to tell you something, friend. The only reason we should really want to leave this world is because we want to be with God. We ought not to just be tired of sickness. We ought not to just be tired of loneliness. We ought to be tired of separation. And we ought to be thinking about heaven before we ever get there. We ought to be thinking about, Lord, I want to be with you. God, I want to see your face. And you know what? Longing for the Lord in heaven takes the edge off of suffering in this world. You hear me? Because what happens is you start to say, you know, I know that it hurts. I know that it's lonely. I know that things are tough. But one day, but one day, all this is going to be gone. But one day, I'm going to graduate. But one day, I'm going to make it. And I tell you what, that's when you begin to understand that all things work together for good for those who love God and are the call according to His purpose. That the sufferings of this present world are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us, church. You have to long for God. You have to long for the Lord. And when you long for Him, it takes the edge off of all the suffering. And that's what we see here with Christ on the cross, suffering. But we see that He was longing to be with the Father. You know, Christ mentioned a person, not a place. He said, into your hands I commend my spirit. He mentioned the Father here. And that should be the deepest desire of every Christian, to be with the Lord. One of my favorite verses about heaven is found in the book of Psalms. The 27th Psalm on the 4th verse says this, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. Isn't that a beautiful verse? Now I want to tell you something. That was an Old Testament uh, writing. And you and I know so much more about heaven than they knew in the Old Testament. But yet in the Old Testament there were people who longed for God in such a way that they could not only be inspired to write that, but they worshiped with that in the temple as well. And you and I know so much more about heaven Christ in the New Testament has revealed so much more. We know that heaven is the city of God. I'm not big on cities, amen? I'm certainly not big on big cities. I like the woods. I like the swamps. I I don't like a whole lot of folks around me. But this is one city that I'm interested in, amen? A city with no smog. A city with no crime. A city with no blue lights and sirens. A city with no jails. A city with no hospitals, amen? This is a good city. It's a city of God. He talks about the courts of the Lord coming into the presence of the Lord where the Lord's people are gathered together. He talks about the Father's house. You know, the subject of heaven is not streets of gold and gates of pearl. The subject of heaven is God. And we ought to crave Him in life. And if we do, we will crave Him as Christ did in death. You hear me? If we crave Him, the Lord, in life, we will certainly crave Him as we lay there knowing that our life is slowly leaving us. Christ also had confidence in His death. He knew where He was going. He was going into the Father's hands. Make sure you have confidence in death. Now, if you haven't committed your body to God, I doubt very seriously you've committed your soul to God. 
The life you have on this earth is a reflection of who you are spiritually. You need to understand that the hands of the Father are very tender in heaven. But they are very tough in hell. And you and I need to understand that the most important thing that we need to know in this world is that where we're going when we die. The Bible says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And dear friend, if you're putting that off, if you're thinking, oh, one of these days, one of these days, one of these days, dear friend, you're doing it wrong. Today is the day of salvation. And confidence in death is priceless. You hear me? When you know Christ, and when you know you're going to leave this world, you're going to be with Him, that is priceless. Truth is the greatest morphine for the dying. Because to know Christ is to know where you're going when you die. And that brings more relief than any pill or any needle can ever bring you. I mean, what do we do whenever we find out somebody's doing it? Well, let's keep them calm. Let's keep as calm as we can. In order to do that, we have to pump some serum into them, some, some, some drug into them. But I'll tell you, when you know Christ, and when you know that when you leave this world, you're going to heaven, there is no greater morphine. There's no greater... Nothing, the appeal can't give you what hope in Christ can give you. A needle can't give you what hope in Christ can give you. And did you know, Christians, that we can have the same confidence that Jesus had in our text here today because we enter heaven the same way He did, because we're in Christ. We don't get to heaven because we're good people. We don't get to heaven because we've done wonderful things. We get to heaven because we are in Christ. Through the finished work of Christ on the cross, that's how we get there. His payment takes us to heaven. You know, the, the Bible says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Did you hear that? That you may know that you have eternal There are so many people who says, Well, you just can't know. Well, if you can't know, you know what that tells me? That tells me you're trusting in yourself. Because what you're saying, well, if I'm good enough, if I do enough, if I give enough, then maybe I'll get there. Don't let that baptistry distract you. I know some of y'all are tripping out. I don't see any faces. I'm still preaching. Amen. Somebody just stop right here. That's what's over here. But I'll tell you, just as that water's going down, all of our lives are ebbing away in the drain of life right now. Drip by drip, drop by drop. We may not hear it like we can hear that right there, but I'll tell you what, it's still happening. Imagine your life as a jug filled with water right now. You hear it? You hear it? Slowly coming down. Slowly coming down. And one day there won't be a single drop left. Do you have the confidence that when the last drop is drained of your life, that into your, His hands you'll commend your spirit. The only way is through Christ, church. The only way is through Christ. Turn from your sins and give your life to Him. And my dear friend, you'll have the same confidence and the same clarity 
Christ had in him. With every head bowed. Father in heaven, we do love you. We do thank you. We do praise you for all that you are and all that you've done for us. Today as we finished up this series of, of, of sermons, thank you Lord for reminding us of the great confidence that Christ had when He died. And thank You, Lord, for giving us the privilege of sharing in that confidence. And if there's any here today who needs that, may they turn from their sin and give their life to You. In Jesus' name.